All right, so as I mentioned, we're going to continue our sermon series looking at this how much idea. And we're actually going to be looking today at a, a scripture reading from the book of Exodus. This is a story from after the Israelites have escaped from slavery in Egypt and before they've reached Mount Sinai, actually, but they're wandering through the wilderness and they find themselves without food and without water. And so I'm going to be reading from Exodus chapter 16, and I'm going to be reading verses 11 through 18. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so if you were here last Sunday, it was a very exciting day because you saw our upper elementary kids, our third graders, fourth graders, and fifth graders receive their Bibles. It happened at both the earlier service and at this service. The kids came during worship and received their Bibles. And then after second service, Andy and Amanda and I actually met with the kids. We had lunch with them and with their families. And we actually spent some time talking with them about how to read their Bibles, what they can find in their Bibles, why we read their Bibles, how to read their Bible, the fact that the Bible is kind of our church, our family story as Christians, and that we read the Bible to see God's interaction with the people of God in history so that we can kind of then understand better how God continues to interact with us today. And as part of that, actually towards the end, we had a chance to actually look at the story that I actually started with today, the story about the Israelites wandering in the wilderness. And we use that as an opportunity for the kids to actually learn how to use the notes and the commentary in the Bibles that we gave them. And at the end of that, we actually had the kids make a recording to tell us today about what we learned. And so I want to share that video with you right now from last Sunday afternoon. God was providing meat and bread for the Israelites every day while they moved through the desert. Moses had told them God would provide enough for each day as that day came. Still, the Israelites gathered more than they could eat, trying to save it for later. Because they did not trust God, they acted greedy, taking more food than they needed. They soon discovered that following their own ways rather than God's ways wouldn't work. By the next day, the food they had saved was rotten. It stank and had worms in it. Yuck, yuck, yuck. This story reminds us that even when it seems there will not be enough, God will provide what we need just as we need it. All right. Thank you, kids. I don't know if any of you are over there today or not. They are. It was a great job. So, the, the name of this short kind of commentary that they just read for us from the Bible, the name of that was actually 
Always Enough. That was the title on that commentary they read to us. And that really is, folks, it's the main point of this story from Exodus about God providing manna to the Israelites as they wandered in the wilderness, they traveled out of slavery, and as they were entering into the land of promise. And that's what we're going to talk about in today's message as well. Before we do that, let's go ahead. We're going to take a moment here. We're going to pray for the kids and dismiss them to go to Sunday school. So you bow your heads with me. Well, holy God, we give you thanks for all those who are present today, for those who came last week, received their Bibles, for the opportunity, Lord, just to meet with them, to teach them about how to use their Bibles. Lord, we would just pray that you would move powerfully in their lives, encourage them, teach them to open that Bible every day, to learn about you, to, to form a relationship with you. Give them an excitement and enthusiasm about those Bibles they received as they learn to walk in your light. And we lift this prayer in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, kids, we'll see you. Have a good time. We'll see you back in here in a little while. All right. So, yeah, so that's actually what we are going to do today. Last week, Pastor David began this new sermon series, as I've mentioned. It was called How Much? And in that sermon, David really was focused in on what we call the theology of scarcity. Theology of scarcity, which is really just kind of church lingo for this tendency that we all have to live our lives out of a fear of not enough, living out of a fear of not having enough. But today, what I want to do is really focus in on this last word, on this idea of enough, enough. Because really, if you think about it, enough is a hard word to define, right? I mean, if you ask 10 different people exactly what they think is enough of any, just about anything, you're going to get 10 different answers. Now, if you've ever worked on the food line or any kind of a buffet line, but especially like at a church dinner, if you've been the one behind the food, handing out the food to people, right, you know without a doubt that this is true. Because if you put the same amount of food on three different plates, one person is going to say, oh, that's too much. Another one's going to say, perfect, that's great. And somebody else is going to say, yeah, could you give me another spoonful of that, right? I mean, that's absolutely going to happen. You know that that's true if you've ever done that. Enough is just a very subjective word. It really is. What I think is enough, what you think is enough might be two very, very different things. And, and what I have found, too, is what's more, for any one particular person, for any one person, what we think of as enough actually changes over the course of our lifetime. So, again, just to use myself here as an example, I grew up with far less, far less than I have today, okay? So my dad was a salesman for Nabisco. He worked on a commission, My mom worked as a bookkeeper for a furniture manufacturer, and we certainly, we weren't poor, but with six mouths to feed, we definitely weren't eating steak and lobster every night, I guarantee you. A ham would last, absolutely would last for three or four meals, and it would end up as what we called back east where I grew up, slippery pot pie. I have a picture of that if you're a Midwesterner who doesn't know what that is. And I've talked to some people after first service from the mid-Atlantic like me, and they knew, right? Basically, it's like a ham broth with dough square dumplings and potatoes, all right? Now, my wife, the first time I said, oh, dad, you got to make slippery pot pie for it. She was like, no, 
not going there, right? And then weekends, actually weekends for lunch, actually a lot of the time we had what was called scalded crackers. Scalded crackers, which basically is a big bowl of crushed saltine crackers that is kind of steeped in boiling hot milk and butter. You just pour it over there and let that sit for a while. All right, and then you eat it. And both of those are very kind of low-cost Pennsylvania Dutch staples from back in the mid-Atlantic area that I grew up in. All right, and that's, that's what we had. Right, that's what we had. Everyone was satisfied with what we got. It was enough. But you know what? If I'm going to be 100% honest with you up here, and I think I probably should be, I really don't think that I would call that enough today because I've become used to having more than that a lot more than that enough just isn't what it used to be for me I actually think that's true for a whole lot of us but you know it didn't it didn't even just food right if you think about this idea of enough growing up five tv channels were enough right they were and now I've got subscriptions to like four or five or six streaming services in addition to hundreds of channels I have on regular, like on cable TV. Maybe it's not even just that, right? When I was a kid, we'd go on vacation. It's that maybe two 24 exposure rolls of film, right? For like a week-long trip. And that was enough. That was enough. Now I've got 128 gigabytes of memory on my phone, and it's almost not enough for all the pictures that I take, right? It's, we really can't imagine having to live the way we used to anymore, but the changes happen so slowly, so slowly over time that we really don't realize that our definition of enough is changing. And we don't see that we're constantly being trained to think that we really do need whatever we have today. And, and the whole idea of having to get by with less makes us really nervous and even a little agitated sometimes. So it's with that thought in mind that I really do want us to try now to imagine, to put ourselves in the place of these Israelites in today's scripture reading. Okay, so, so they've escaped from slavery in Egypt, they're traveling through a desert wilderness, and they, even though, right, even though they were slaves in Egypt, they really do suddenly find themselves with far less than they had before. It's a desert, there's no food, there's no water. So, of course, they do what anybody would do they start complaining to the leaders. Right? They start complaining to Moses and Aaron because even the meager food that they got as slaves seemed now like some sort of a banquet. The Bible says this. It says, The Israelites said to them, said to Moses and Aaron, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. We were slaves? Really? But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. But you see, compared to the nothing that they have now in the wilderness, even the scraps that they got 
in Egypt seemed like a bounty. It seemed like plenty. But God knew that the need they were grumbling about, their need was real. They needed to eat. And so the story goes on and tells us, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. Hear that word again, right? They're to go out each day and gather enough for the day. And I've always wondered about that verse. Always wondered at it because as I said before, the word enough It just seems so subjective. Everybody's told, go out and gather enough. Gather enough for the day. Folks, I've been, I've served on that buffet line before, right? And I know without a doubt that enough for one person isn't the same as enough for the next. And that's why when we look, when we look at how the scripture passage I started with this morning, how it ended, it says the Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some gathered little. And when they measured it by the omer, he who gathered much did not have too much. And he who gathered little did not have too little. Each one gathered as much as he needed. Everyone got what they personally needed for the day. Everyone got enough. But still, it kind of makes me wonder, right? If all of a sudden you and me and a whole bunch of other people, right, we're all kind of picked up, pulled out of our everyday reality and kind of plopped down in a place where we didn't have anything that we used to have. But what we needed just kind of supernaturally showed up and the instructions we got was to gather enough for the day. How much would you take? How much would you take? How would you even decide what to take? Especially, right? Especially if you could look around and see how much other people were taking, right? Would that change it? Would that change how much you took? Would you want to make sure you had at least as much as they had? Or would you be able to really focus on only taking what you needed. Or I can just imagine, honey, look, look, there's four of them, there's four of us, they've got six baskets, and we've only got four. Go get two more baskets. Right? That's how I imagine it kind of going. And it's interesting that the Israelites do seem to have struggled with this concept. Because in the verses immediately after the passage I read this morning, it says, then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. That's why the kids in the video said, yuck, right? Yuck. But here's the thing. I bet it worked, right? I bet it worked. I'm guessing it really would keep them from taking more than enough. If anything more than enough rotted and got all maggoty, I bet it worked. 
Well, of course, God had a great reason, right? God had a great reason for their food lasting no more than a day before it got rotten. See, when Israel escaped from slavery in Egypt and they found themselves in this wilderness with no food, it provided God with the perfect opportunity, perfect opportunity to teach Israel to develop a daily discipline of daily dependence on God, of learning to rely on God for their daily, daily needs, of coming to believe that God really would provide them with enough every day. Because what God knows, right, is in the reality of everyday life outside of the wilderness, in the reality of everyday life back in civilization, back in a land of plenty, that's going to be one of the hardest things to really believe. See, even for the Israelites, God knew that once they entered the promised land, once they entered what they had been told was going to be a land of milk and honey, a land of plenty, it would actually be even harder then to believe in God's promise of daily providence. And so God had Moses set aside a visual reminder, a visual reminder, something they could look at and remember that God had promised to take care of them, provide enough for them every single day of their wilderness wanderings. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer of manna. It's basically a quart jar. Take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come so they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the desert when I brought you out of Egypt. So some of this daily manna, it gets taken, it gets put in a jar, and it didn't, it didn't rot this time. And the point was they could look at it. They could look at it, and then after the wilderness was over, after that was done, when they're living in a land of plenty, they could look at it and remember, remember that God had provided them with bread even when they had absolutely nothing. Well, folks, we're not in the wilderness anymore either. We're not in the wilderness. But we also don't have a jar of manna that we can look at and be reminded of God's promise to provide enough for us every day. But what we do have, what we do have is the words of Jesus. And we have this prayer this prayer that Jesus intentionally taught his disciples to pray all the time, right? This prayer that still today, it's one of the very first things that we teach our kids to memorize from the Bible, right? But it's also a prayer that every single one of us really has a lot of trouble actually living into. Powerful words. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. See, Jesus taught his disciples to pray that prayer regularly so that they too would have a permanent reminder that they could turn to in order to remember that God wants us to trust him to develop this daily dependence on God, just like that jar of manna that the Israelites kept for generations. 
See, Jesus taught us to say that prayer so that we might learn to rely on God to provide us what we need for the day. And Jesus has tried to teach his disciples this lesson again and again and again. It's why he told this parable. He told this parable about not needing to build bigger and bigger barns to hold all our excess. And that parable concluded in Luke 12, 15, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. That's why Jesus said not to worry, not to worry about what you eat and drink tomorrow. In Luke 12, 29 to 31, he says, do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Don't worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. And it's also why Paul, Paul wrote to his protege, Timothy, one of Paul's followers who wants to be like Paul, and Paul writes to him and tells him that you need to learn to be content with the daily necessities. He writes, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we could take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. See, folks, each of these passages, it's so, and so many more, so many more besides these, they point to this kind of inescapable fact that the scriptures insist that as God's people, we need to learn to trust that God really will, really will give us our daily bread, to believe that we don't need bigger and bigger barns for our stuff, to know that when we seek God's kingdom first, God will make sure that we have food and drink as well. And we need to achieve what I call this stretch goal, a stretch goal of contentment with less. And we need to do these things. We need to do these things because failure to do them is the single greatest barrier to developing a spirit of generosity. Okay? Now, I want to make sure, please do not mishear this message. Please don't mishear it. The Bible doesn't say the Bible does not say that having more than enough for today and today alone is a sin. It does not say that. It doesn't say we shouldn't or can't have more than enough for today in our bank accounts. It does not say that. But there is a big if attached to that. If we recognize that when we do have more than enough for today, then it is a blessing from God so that we can be a blessing to others through whom God provides their daily bread. Okay? It's not a sin to have more than enough for today if we believe and trust that God will provide us with what we need even if we share generously and exceedingly generously with others. What the Bible calls out a sin is ignoring the plight of others who are deeply in daily need when we have the resources to help them. 
So Paul writes to Timothy also. Paul knows Timothy is actually pastoring a lot of Christians who are wealthy. Okay? Christians who have plenty. And so Paul writes to Timothy and says this. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Now, I know, Paul's words, right? Those, those words can make us a little uncomfortable. Trust me, as a pastor, the words command them makes me a little uncomfortable, okay? But if that's the case, you know, and you wonder about the truth of Paul's words, I mean, all you have to do, right, all you have to do is take a look at the stock market from the first of the year to today, and you will very quickly see the truth in Paul's warning about putting your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Wealth is so uncertain. And please, you know, I'll get vulnerable here. Hear me on this, right? I am not immune. I am not immune to this temptation to put our hope in wealth. I'm not kidding. It was right after, I mean, it was right after I told my district superintendent that I was planning to retire at the end of June 2023 that the value of my retirement accounts started plummeting right afterwards. And all of a sudden, the assurances of my financial advisor that you have enough to retire started turning into me asking, do I still have enough to retire? And a little bit later, you know, at what point does it become not enough to retire? It creates a lot of anxiety. It does. But you know what? I took that to God in prayer. And you know what answer I got? The answer I got was, you've lived on scalded crackers and slippery pot pie before, and you've been just fine. God promises there will be enough. Even if I continue to give generously through a declining stock market, maybe if I continue to give generously through a declining stock market, even when I share abundantly out of my excess, as long as I put my hope not in wealth, but in the promise of God to provide my daily manna. And I pray this morning that you're growing in your ability to trust that promise too. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Well, as the ushers get ready, um, this is actually the point now in our worship service after that message, right? That we have an opportunity to share abundantly. 
with those who are in need. We have an opportunity right now to be daily manna for those in our world who are in need. So I invite you to consider that as the ushers come forward to receive our gifts and tithes and offerings. Yeah. 
you. Well, and we're now going to move into our, our time of sharing this meal together. This meal of bread and the cup of, of juice, of wine that Jesus shared with his disciples to remind them yet again of the promise of God providing the bread we need. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. So in this meal, we see both God's physical sustenance and the spiritual sustenance of Jesus Christ. And it was on that night that Jesus gathered his closest friends with him and he took the loaf of bread and he broke it and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And when the supper was over, he took the cup and he poured it out to them and said, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. And so, holy God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be the body of Christ to a world so desperately in need. It is in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that we lift this prayer. Amen. So everyone is invited to partake at this table. That's why our kids are here as well. This grace is available to everyone. There are no barriers. If you would like to accept Jesus' invitation to come forward and receive the grace that he offers through this meal, you are welcome to do so. We receive, I'm going to invite the, the, those who are going to help serve. Go ahead and come forward at this time. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to receive by, if you put your hands out, one of the servers will piece, put a piece of the bread in your hand. You can partake of that. Move to the next station where you receive a small cup. Drink that, and after you're done, you can dispose of it in the trash cans that are over here to the side. Um, because we do want everyone to be welcome, we do have a gluten-free station over here as well that you can receive. Don will have that over here. So please just make your way to that station as you require it. If you would like, we do still have some of the prepackaged communion packages too. Simply ask your server for one of those as well. After you have partaken, if you would like to come forward and kneel, you can kneel at the kneelers in prayer for as long as you would like. But the meal is ready, and we're going to ask the ushers to start leading you forward to receive.
grace that you have given us, that you have shared with us through the partaking of this meal, Lord. We give you thanks for that. Lord, for the blessings which you have given to us that enable us to share, to be that source of daily manna for a world in need. God, we thank you for those blessings as well. Now, we just pray today that, that you would lead us to a heart that cares about a world in need. Help us, teach us, show us what enough for us really means so that you can form in us the generous hearts that you really do desire for all of your people. Lord, we lift this prayer in the holy name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. All right, we're going to close our service today with a fun song called Holy Water. We haven't done this one in a while. If you know it, um, or even if you don't, I ask you to stand and sing along with us. The lyrics are up on the screen.